Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. Bill, will you sign a pledge that you will commit to this podcast and no other podcast? Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, you know, I'm not a big pledge signer. I mean, I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United okay. States of America whenever I am asked to do so and have the opportunity to do so. But I don't want to I, catch you over at the National Review or Daily Caller podcasts, okay, pal? It's really important to do that. Don't you think it was a mistake for Trump to do that yesterday? I think it hurts his image of, of sort of the rebellious independent who isn't just a party loyalist. And then he kind of, you know, bows down to rights previous and signs this pledge, which is kind of idiotic, incidentally. I'll support whoever the Republican candidate is. Really? I mean, it, you know, we're not. It, these parties are, are useful institutions, and one should normally be loyal to one's own party, especially if one's running for office in that party. But there's something kind of mindless and and, uh, I don't know about signing a pledge that you'll you don't no matter who it is you're going to support that person. It was the what was amazing was the crowd. We pledge goes I'm going to sign this and commit to the principles of the Republican Party. And, hey, like one guy in the back. <laughs> well, that made me think. I mean, I thought it was. I, I didn't think he would do it. I, I you know, what he did when at the debate he said no, I'm not going to necessarily support the Republican automatically. Mm-hmm. I wondered if that was a mistake. It certainly would hurt him among some Republican you know party. Loyalists and, and some of them vote in primaries, obviously. But I also thought it was it was he was clever, I think, and it showed. And I think if you look at the polling after the debate, that it reinforced his brand as different from all the others. I, I think it was a mistake for him to do that. I think the crowd's reaction was indicative. And so now he's just another Republican. Exactly. And guess what? He's a less informed Republican than about major issues than most of the other candidates. He has no government experience. Bill, anyone of- anyone could confuse. Uh, the Kurds with Cool in the Gang. It's very easy to do. There's both. There's a K on both of them. So that Hugh Hewitt interview last night is pretty astounding. I, mean, I am not one of those who thinks that you, to be a good president, you have to know it all ahead of time, like a Council on Foreign Relations senior fellow. That's what aides are for. That's what the State Department and the Defense Department are for. You have to have good judgment and make big decisions. Still, the cavalier attitude, the degree to which he just doesn't even think he should, should study a little bit to have the kind of level of knowledge that a I would say a freshman congressman feels he should have about these kinds of issues. I think at some point that just, you know, all the charm, all the excitement, all the bravado, all the sort of fun of the Trump candidacy, I've got to think at some point uh, even a good chunk of his own supporters say, look, I mean, it's been fun being for him for a few months, kind of a fun, uh, fun bunch of dates, but I'm not voting for him when, the, when it comes to the vote. So I do not, I think I've said for four or six weeks I've been wrong or at least premature that we were at peak Trump, but I really wonder whether people People will look back at yesterday with the pledge and the Hugh Hewitt interview and say, we've been sort of a plateau, Trump. He really hasn't got up much in the polls the last month or so. And uh, now we're about to turn down. Well, and for people who haven't heard it, the Hugh Hewitt interview, he's asked some pretty specific foreign policy questions about the mess in the Middle East, targeting Hamas, Hezbollah leadership. And who are they? What do you know? And he confused Quds Force with the Kurds. And, uh, you know, I, the people wanted to, to, to give him some slack. But the concern I have, Bill, is that there seem to be a group of voters who are impervious to any information. Voting for Trump is an identity politics vote the same way that uh, Hillary Clinton is hoping that voting for her will be a woman's identity politics vote. Notice among, you know, we can mock the Trump supporters, and I certainly do, but Hillary Clinton, no matter how many times she says ridiculous things, no matter how much classified information she's made available essentially to the Russians and the Chinese, no matter how many times her staff says, we don't even know what wiping means, 
80 plus percent of Democrats say she cannot be too blatantly corrupt and dishonest for me. I think the Clinton phenomenon is more troubling than the Trump phenomenon, mostly because she's getting a lot more votes right now in the polls than Trump. I mean, Trump, if you're a Republican, I'm more relaxed about Trump. Some people are more alarmed. And at the end of the day, he's not been above 30 percent. I don't believe he'll go above 30 percent. He will not be the Republican nominee. So there are some voters who just want to tell the establishment to go jump in the lake. And the way to do that now uh, is to be for Donald Trump. And some of them are kind of impervious to information. But the number, I totally agree. The, the real phenomenon is on the Democratic side, and they have a lot more to be worried about, because she still is the front-runner. I personally don't think she'll be the nominee, but she still is the front-runner. What does it say about this kind of mindless loyalty in the Democratic Party to someone who doesn't have a very distinguished resume anyway, hasn't accomplished much in her different jobs, uh, has ethical problems going way back, but now this stuff just spills out, and it really does spill out day after day, week after week. Now, it is hurting her in the polls, even among Democrats, and it's why Joe Biden is likely to get in and it's why other people, I think, are taking a fresh look at it. But, um, yeah, no, Clinton is more of a problem for the Democrats than Trump is for the Republicans. That's my basic judgment about this race. I personally think that the salvation of the Republican Party is Hillary Clinton. I pray that you're wrong. No, no, I think you're right. Because I think in, be the, but the reason the is, and this nominee, is, uh, yeah. yeah, but this gets us back to the challenge of the Republicans. And you, uh, I, not to say anything nice about you while you can hear it, but you've got a piece, you know, Hillary Antoinette, about the old order versus the new order. And if the Democrats insist on offering Hillary, you can almost see the American people just kind of sigh and go, well, I guess I'm voting Republican because they're just not they keep screaming at us at every way they can, whether it's the Trump Carson votes or the Bernie Sanders support or just the general right truck, wrong truck numbers. They are not going to follow this tired icon of the 1990s backwards. But looking at the Republicans, I'm going, so guys, they're giving you a perfect opportunity. Why is it that you insist on turning this into a binary race between Trump and Bush, the two only unacceptable candidates in the field? Yeah, you have a you have a time for a change election. You have a, a wrong track election. You know, by better than two to one, Americans think we're on the wrong track. And Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush are probably the two individuals in America least able to embody the notion of it's time for a change. We've been on the wrong track. We need to make some radical course corrections. Um, some of that's unfair, incidentally. Maybe it's last names. Maybe it's you know just kind of accidents of, of history. But but it is what it is. And I think Republicans actually to their credit, have fled Jeb Bush more than Democrats have fled Hillary Clinton with less cause. Jeb Bush isn't a great candidate, but he's not ensnared in scandals. He released all of his emails from when he was governor, and they seem to be perfectly unexceptionable. So, uh, but I, I think the good news for Republicans is that they sort of understand that Jeb's not the right person to nominate. There's been this dalliance with Trump. I don't think that's going to end up producing a nominee. I am sort of disappointed that the other, most of the other campaigns haven't really somehow grasped the moment. They're still a little amazed by what's happening. They, 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 Scott Walker doesn't understand that having been a good governor of Wisconsin is not really the credential. It's a credential, but it's not what people want to hear about his agenda for the country. I would say of the current candidates who are running, uh, who I think have a chance to be the nominee, Carly Fiorina actually has come closest to having a sense that you've got to be bold but also serious um, about 
making pretty big changes in the way this country is governed. We'll see if she can now build, she's gotten into the debate, uh, the, the main debate, uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll see if she can really build on this and, and develop a sort of bigger and bolder agenda. She hasn't really had to do that yet. She's, she's been a terrific debater, a terrific uh, you know, question-answerer uh, on TV and so forth. Uh, this, these next three months really are the moment for someone to really come out with a big agenda. Yeah, I, I agree, and I that I keep saying, okay, Trump is there to be beaten. Who are you? Who's going to step up and beat him? You know, one of the things I think is truly feeding Trump is this sense that a lot of people on the right have, which is the other side doesn't have to play by the rules. The other side can cheat all they want, as President Obama has shown, as Hillary Clinton has shown. You can go on and on through the list of violations of both the law and just the rules and et cetera. Uh, and so why can't we have somebody who just <laughs> throws all the rules out of the book, too? But I think there's a flip side of that, which is that the Democrats now own all this stuff, including Obamacare, which is getting uglier and uglier as rate hikes keep going up and deductibles keep going up. And then the Iranian deal, which I if their de- Republicans are smart, always a big if they will wrap around the Democrats necks. And I think one way to do that is you've got to have hearings and you've got to do everything you can to force a vote. Are the Republicans just going to go quietly on this bill and just let the uh, it, uh, you know, a, uh, a minority of Democrats end the conversation? I mean, the good news is they've been united. They are united in opposition to the deal. I mean, literally united. I think they'll be unanimous against the deal in both the House and the Senate. So it is a very and large majority of Democrats will support the president. So it's a very like Obamacare. It's it's kind of pretty rare when you think about it, Michael, in, in sort of American history. Two huge issues: one domestic, one foreign, going into 2016, where the, it's not just that the candidates sound different, but on recorded votes in the United States Congress, the two parties have radically split. Now, in the Senate, they may not get to a recorded vote on final passage because the Democrats are going to filibuster, but still the vote on cloture will become the de facto vote. And I don't think it's going to save the Democrats to say, well, I just voted against cloture. I didn't act. I mean, they've taken positions on the deal. They're coming out, whether it's Michael Bennett or from Colorado or, or you know, uh, Cory Booker from New Jersey, Warner from Virginia, Mark Warner from Virginia. They're coming out in favor of the deal. So I don't think I'm not obsessed with whether they succeed in filibustering or not. I think it shows a certain lack of uh, courage to just filibuster rather than just take the vote. But um, I think it, it, it will be unusual in 2016, the degree, the clarity of the, of the difference in the fundamental points of view about the world and about America uh, between the two parties. I just hope that there's somebody on the conservative side who's already setting money aside and planning on doing the instant ads every time Iran is caught cheating, after, you know, now, every time Iran sends a dollar to Hezbollah or uh, Hamas. I mean, I just, I mean, why would you trust? I mean, I just, I'll just read one quote here from the Iranian defense minister from West, from Wednesday. Iran does not plan to issue permission for the IAEA to inspect every site. U.S. officials make boastful remarks and imagine they can oppose this on us, but they don't have the proper knowledge of the Iranian nation. That's the guy that the Democrats are putting their uh, foreign policy bona fides in the hands of. You're totally right. The Republican donors, and some of them are, I think, need to put money aside for this. Uh, they also, I think, the provisional community has to resist the temptation to say, well, the Democrats are going to come rushing to APAC and to others and say, hey, we want to introduce some legislation to, you know, get a little tougher on some other terrorism-related sanctions, right. none of which will all have waivers for the president, so it won't really matter. Or we want to do something to help Israel. And the Republicans, obviously, if it's the right thing to do, I guess they have to do it, maybe, but they could not let the Democrats 
Democrats have cover. They need to keep the clarity, exactly. just like with Obamacare. The choice has to be to repeal and replace it. Bond deal, the choice has to be uh, to repeal and replace it. Uh, and so the question is, will the Republicans be smart? And that, of course, seems to always be the question we find ourselves pondering, Bill, on these podcasts. I'll look for your loyalty pledge coming uh, in the mail. We'll, I'll, I'll watch for that. Yeah, keep, 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 keep an eagle eye there on your mailbox, Michael. <laughs> You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.